Welcome to the Dr. Ramina Panjwani Show, where we're optimizing wellness together. I am your host, Dr. Ramina. Today, I have a special guest. We actually go back to the residency training days, Dr. Edward Ennity. He received his bachelor's degree in physiology and neuroscience with a minor in psychology. He has always been curious about the mind and spirit and developed an interest in Eastern philosophy, which led him down his own journey with meditation. He went on into medical school to pursue a route in osteopathic medicine where it acknowledges the whole human and bridges the gap between science and art of medicine. He completed his residency in Fort Worth in family medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine. He continues to practice medicine concierge style throughout the DFW Metroplex. I would like to set up the stage for today's conversation, where we take a deep dive into the use of psychedelics and mental health today. We will discuss the pharmacology as well as the uses based on data that has been coming forth along with the use, along with the controversial use of it. So hold on to your seats and let's get started. Welcome everyone today. I am so happy to jump in with Dr. Eddie. So there's so much controversy today over the word psychedelic. There's the conventional interpretation, but then also what we use and learn in the wellness world. Um, so Dr. Eddie, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about this. Let's head this controversy, controversy head on. Okay, that's a really good question. So um, psychedelic is kind of a loosely used term. So it's important to distinguish what people really mean by it and what context the differences between certain things are important. Um, at its base, psychedelic literally means your mind manifested, right? Delic, it's um, creating, psych is your mind. So really the experiences are a creation of your mind. There's a lot of things involved with that, your location, the place that you're in, your intention, what you want to get out of the experience. And then even then you're going to have things show up that you weren't expecting. So the main way that the classical psychedelics, so classic psychedelics are um, the most simple one is DMT, dimethyltryptamine. They're tryptamine-based psychedelics. That one is the most potent and it's actually interesting because it's found all over nature and it's actually found in human bodies and there's theories about it being related to near-death experiences etc and it's the most simple of the molecules and then you have uh, psilocybin magic mushrooms the active component lsd lysergic acid diethylamide so that's interesting it's lsd because mm -hmm. it sounds like it should be lad so lysergic acid diethylamide that's like semi-synthetic and they're all coming from the base molecule tryptamine, which is where serotonin and melatonin come from. So it's all very similar base structure. And they give you um, what's classically called a trip. They get the right doses. And that's very characteristic of what people would consider psychedelics. So within the idea of psychedelic, meaning your mind manifests it, like you have other things come up like ketamine and DMA, and those loosely, because there's not a strict definition, are clumped together as being psychedelic. But they work in different ways, and that becomes significant in the way that you're applying them, certain medications that you can be on at the same time, and what kinds of things they would be useful for, as well as how to prepare people for them. So they all um, are pretty unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think 
because there's so much information out there, to get it from a reliable source is what I think people need to hear, of course, right? So yes, we heard about psychedelics and where it comes from. There's so much information out there about the therapeutic benefits of ketamine, right? We were just talking about how even in conventional medicine, there is some data out there. Um, but I think it's interesting. How about we focus on ketamine for a minute sure. specifically, right? I mean, let's talk about how it came to origin. Maybe that's why people are so hesitant about it. Um, but, you know, like, of course, it's known as horse tranquilizer. <laughs> um, it was used as anesthetics, you know, even back in, I think it was the um, Vietnam War back then, if I'm correct. Uh, but it's been used so much. And what they've noticed these days is how beneficial it is. And for those of y'all in medicine or no stats, like there's big meta analysis. Those are like big trials in conventional medicine that shows that there is therapeutic benefits when you compare head to head between, you know, the traditional antidepressants along with CBT, you know, right? Com uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so you look at them head to head, right? It's showing benefit, but if it's done the right way. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Oh, okay, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, now it's recently, ketamine has been around for a very long time, as you noted. So it's recently gotten more interest as far as its application to mental health. Um, it's been something people were looking into as in, in addition to the other psychedelics before, but now there's kind of this wave of interest. Ketamine, because it's been so long used um, and it's very safe overall, it's one of the first one that's been approved for um, what's called ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. So the main thing is that you're pairing it together with the psychotherapy. So like we were talking about earlier, the psychedelic term, meaning your mind manifests it, your experience that you have is unique to every person. And if you just give someone that dose and just see what happens, it's kind of a crapshoot. If you get benefit from it, you may or may not, it was a cool experience, like, oh, that was you know, profound. <laughs> yeah. But you may or may not get the benefit you're looking for out of it. So really the main thing to realize is these are very effective tools and you're using understanding of an experience you have from, from a different lens. You temporarily change your lens on reality, and that can lead you to insights about yourself. So if you don't do anything with that or try to process it or apply it into your day-to-day -day life, it's not going to give you that benefit. And I think that's important to know because now that it's just a cool, exciting thing, a lot of these clinics are popping up where they're just kind of giving it the therapy part is lacking or just non-existent at all. And then if that kind of gets too widespread, people might get the impression that, oh, it didn't, I tried it, it didn't really do anything. Because right. really it's you who's doing the self-work and this is a tool to help you on the process. If you're looking for something outside of yourself to help you heal, that's not going to work, right? So they're looking, if you want to go to therapy, for example, just in general, think oh, I want the therapist to fix my problems <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere with it because right. it's realizing that you, it's internal right so all of this is internal work um self-healing so that was a little bit of a tangent there but no it's true yeah, though right exactly. like people will go home and try to do ketamine or you know we'll, we'll get into like the mushrooms too right like they'll just the term trip out but yeah. then when you mm -hmm. come back into consciousness yeah. you don't know what to do with what you uncover and to get to root cause of your underlying, you know, what we label mental illness or maybe underlying 
what other methods are known as trauma, whatever the case is, you definitely need someone who knows what they're doing to guide you, to guide the person to do the work. It's another tool, right? Because there's, you get a moment of dissociation and that's a moment where you could done, if done correctly with the tools and the therapy to guide you through and navigate it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, going back to ketamine a little bit more about what it is to actually, because um, that one has an interesting history. It's technically a derivative of PCP, fencyclidine. Mm-hmm. So that was, fencyclidine was initially created. So now it was, you know, on black market, people will create it in labs and stuff. But initially they in, were inventing it, trying to come up with a good anesthetic. Like this is an old and times of like surgery, like early 1900s. And it worked. But then people would wake up out of it and they would be out of their minds for days and it would be like dangerous. They'd be like violent sometimes. Right. So then ketamine, it was all these different experiments done to make a different version of it. That's more tame. And then they came up with ketamine. So knowing this history, people be wondering like, oh, is that like, you know, like a mild PCP? <laughs> like it's, it's totally different. Right. Like it does anesthetize. So with ketamine, the dosage range is particularly important. So at high, high doses, you just get anesthetized. But what's interesting, unlike under other anesthetics, which is why it's pretty useful, it doesn't shut down the parts of your brain that will control things like breathing reflex. It would eventually, but it needs to get to such a high dose that you don't even get near it. Like the lethal doses, I forget even, it's astronomically high. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to um, dose even to anesthesia without risk of overdosing. Just below um, anesthetic dosing is where you would have like these psychedelic experiences so the other distinction with it used for mental health because you're here seeing a lot of things crop up with low dosing right but the main potential one that's beneficial is higher dose you have this experience where you 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 kind of dissociate you go sink into your own world and you have like you say it's like a dream like you're dreaming in real life and that's intramuscular intravenous um to get to that level like you would um, that is one where you do the prep work with the person, the therapist, and then they have this experience. You're there. It's medically monitored, right? All, all that stuff. But you're not really interacting with them while they're experiencing it. They're just having the experience. And then as they come out of it, the first integration session is immediately after. And then, you know, people have different protocols, but within, you know, a couple days, a couple times a week or so, people will come back to process it. And then you'll do another session. And then based on what you make out of it, like that dictates like what you're going to get out of the next one, right? Like it kind of gives you what you need, but like, what does that even mean, right? Right, right. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? Break it down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's the peculiar thing with when you get to these mind states with, you know, even like psilocybin or other things, like your ego kind of associates. So that's kind of hard to describe, but you're, so your whole concept of everything you're just kind of um, experiencing what you're experiencing. So it's hard to explain this without kind of getting into like more spiritual or metaphysical concepts. But right? that's okay, right? Because oh, we yeah, both, okay. <laughs> we're both physicians that believe in not just the body boarding, right? You have the mind, body, and spirit. And that's why yeah. exploring this so, aspect is important. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> so the way I kind of look at it more like, so like God and creation are the same. Right. So in this sense, like we're all we're all consciousness, like we're all part of nature. 
So the feeling you get as the ego dissociates, it's not just like, I'm some individual and I don't remember my history. Mm-hmm. You feel like you are, like you, the more you get, you are connected to everything, but it's not you separate connected to things. It's almost like you realize this concept. So like, it's all you. So it always gives you what you needed. So your ego got the thing it needed. Then you come back and think, is that just my ego making positive sense out of this to help my life? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the point is like, when you say like, when you look at it on that kind of metaphysical level, the question doesn't even make sense. Cause what is it that you need, mm-hmm. right? Cause you make whatever you want out of it. Like you give yourself what you needed. So that makes sense, but it's, I'm kind of, it, it's hard to put into words, but it's almost like that question or that statement, like, doesn't matter. Like, because everything is perfect, like, it couldn't not be. So you always get what you needed. It's, yeah. it's almost <laughs> like, so for the the meditation, the mindfulness, it's almost that same, I would say, similar, similar concept in that sense, right? Because you were trying to find the truth where you shut down the repetitive thinking, the habits, because that sense of neuroplasticity is there. And that's being part of being human, right? We were talking about if you do the same thing, it's a habit. You you don't think about driving, getting in the car, how to drive. You don't think about um, going to walk a certain way. Like it comes to you naturally. So how are you going to break that habit until you train your mind through meditation, through maybe it's psychedelics um, done correctly with the therapy. That's how you come to truth and unravel what your underlying issue is, that imbalance and focusing on mental health, right? That's so important and overlooked. In conventional medicine, you know, when we talk about whatever your diagnosis is, you're going to throw medicine at it. Um, But people should also do the work, the therapy. And what does therapy mean in that sense, right? We we went to med school and training, but those are key elements that aren't emphasized, right? Yes, you get the training, the standard of care, but there's also this other route that is so, uh, that I think is promising, right? Like the data shows is promising. There was um, a stat that I just recently saw that compared to like SSRI, so, you know, the typical antidepressants and others and CBT, those compared to the ketamine or whatever the psychedelic you're using along with the therapy, and there's different types, of course, um, to get to where you need to be, was much more successful. Like I saw like 90% versus like 30% um, over a term of time and that's not even guaranteed right isn't that impressive no it's very impressive so yeah ketamine has a tremendous amount of potential so um what's another fact another part of it too we're talking about those higher doses so that's ideal also because you're doing a few sessions and then you're done right and then you can kind of process integrate whatever was wrong a lot of people are doing these things where it's like a small microdose right and that's kind of awkward territory. That's what they're liking to compare to SSRIs because it's easier to compare, right? It's not like these one and done. It's like you take this regularly or the other one. So ketamine, there's a lot of abuse potential if you have it, especially in a powdered form. And in the United Kingdom, it's a particularly huge problem because it's too, too available and affordable. Mm-hmm. So the point where like 
young men, like in their twenties, have had to get bladder transplant. Does well, that's affect- where the controversy comes in, right? Because yeah. you're you're abusing mm-hmm. and not guiding or not guided yeah. by the appropriate professionals, right? So the risk <laughs> would be so you could potentially use it in lower doses um, with the benefit. But the risk is kind of prescribing, giving it out to people. So what we're trying to do eventually, we're, we're going to have this ketamine-assisted psychotherapy practice, mm-hmm. is just a higher dose IVIM, and then you're supervised the whole time, and then someone drives you home, kind of like if you have an anesthetic, like a medical oh. procedure, and then talk about it after. You don't go home with anything. You're not prescribed anything. So that, I could see the benefit of it to the lower doses, mm-hmm. but it's um, potential risk of it as well. And that's another reason I'm distinguishing ketamine from traditional like, tryptamine-based psychedelics. The like psilocybin, you would have an experience for a minute. There's very low people don't crave it again. If anything, you're kind of like, well, I need to like you know process this or integrate it. Um, and people could potentially like overdo stuff and not like integrate it. Like if they're kind of using it in a recreational way, that's potential. But for the most part, it's not. Like ketamine and low doses, like you're starting it, like when people go out in clubs and they're drinking, mm-hmm. you just have more and more and more, and you can end up doing it every day. Yeah. And that doesn't happen at all with like psilocybin and LSD mm-hmm. as much. So that's another distinction of it. Um, yeah. Uh, there was some more that you had in that earlier question, though, that I think I kind of forgot oh. I was going to address, but. Whatever comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, and we can circle back, we can yeah. do that, but. What do you see uh, the psilocybin coming into play? There's, it's been used in ancient practices too, in ceremonies, mm-hmm. the microdosing. And I think even now it is being used, especially if it's treatment resistant depression, anxiety, PTSD, right? If these people are so ill, patients and just people, even professionals, right? I mean, look at some of the highest suicide rates in the demanding fields, and it doesn't have to be that way. There's different routes. If the traditional route, the conventional route is not fitting you, maybe you're just a non-responder to like SSRIs, right? Yeah. There's an avenue. But yeah, of course, aside from the avenues you mentioned, um, what's your take on the psilocybin? Oh, yeah. Psilocybin is very interesting. So actually, um, that one, it's because it's natural, it's a mushroom, people are more inclined to uh, be like, oh, well, it's natural, like legalized use. Um, I'd say for people like dealing with trauma or depression, so MDMA or ketamine, they're pretty much always going to be a positive experience. They're always, so everything's perspective. So there's what I mean by positive. You're only going to have like what people would consider positive feelings, like you feel good, right? So um, with psilocybin, you always have positive experience if you make of it if you basically are employing the same things that you would throughout life mindfulness sitting with emotions if you do the right things you will get a very positive experience out of it even more potential i think for strong realizations to grow mm-hmm. but if you don't know this going into it i think it would be more prep work and for people to have practice with mindfulness because you very often will face strong and negative emotions and your body and mind are very connected a lot of it has to do with you're eating something, it's a stimulant, you feel yourself digesting it, you're getting a fight or flight response, and that's called like the come up, right? If you're familiar with the come up, you're just like, oh, patient, like, let it go. If you don't know that, you might just get anxious, and your brain makes sense out of what you're feeling. A 
my body's having physical responses. I mean, there's something that I should be anxious of. And then everything has like this vibe and mood of anxiety and dread. And then you people, what they have called a bad trip, it's yeah. just they get into this headspace, they perpetuate it and they get scared that they're going to have a bad experience. So what's the experience you're given? It's what you're creating. So you get what you give and they don't realize the whole time that you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. And it's like, as soon as you get it and snap out of it, then you can switch from negative to like the most like pleasant, connected, blissful, like the, you get a lot more, you could have mood shifts, but you have to be experienced with sitting with emotions and being okay with it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if you resist it, like the common thing would be letting go. Like ketamine, like same thing, let go. But now your body's like half anesthetized and you mm-hmm. can't do it. You just think it's called cable, right? Yeah. It, right? <laughs> um, MDMA is another particularly unique one, which not even as often is classified as psychedelic, but for these whole kind of treatment from the concept of this treatment, an approach it's can be in this group. So MDMA is actually methylene dioxymethamphetamine. Right? It's not like methamphetamine. Yeah, right. But, People interpret that, yeah. Yeah, but small changes to a molecule make a big difference, right? Like Adderall's amphetamine actually is pretty similar. So methamphetamine, if it's completely pure from a lab in small doses, is a schedule two. You can prescribe it. Yeah. So it's not like people who are methed out because the dose is the difference, right? So the point is, so MDMA also, strangely, not addictive. Like you can, you know, people are just going out to party and want to do what's called ecstasy, right? right? Ecstasy, by the way, can be, if you're getting like a tablet, that can be dangerous. It's usually a lot of other stuff mixed into there. That's, so that's another thing people be safe about. Um, but um, then it can also be in like crystal form. So the way that they would do it um, for PTSD, you you might have this idea of when people are like on ecstasy, like everything's have whatever, like you know. So you're not dissociated in this place in your head where you're not talking. Like you're in a place in your mind of everything you you love everything and everyone, including yourself. So you can look into traumatic experiences kind of outside of yourself. And this would be the psychedelic component because there's always a characteristic of being able to see yourself out of yourself. You can always do that anyway, but it kind of makes it more obvious that you're looking at you and you're something bigger looking at it. Um, But it lets you look at your history and trauma without that fight or flight in your body. Exactly. And that's such an important conversation to be had right and you can your body will produce that fight or flight response um especially if you're interpreting and i always go back to this um analogy is being chased by a bear right if even if you're not really being chased by a bear your body's producing the same mm-hmm. chemicals yeah. the hormones and neurotransmitters the happy sad whatever it is that's creating that amped up feeling and so what you do in everyday life whether it's mindfulness, how you eat, how you sleep, all of that plays into where you are in that uh, in that direction. Are you living in fight or flight or are you resting and digesting, right? And I yeah. think that part is where you can utilize this aspect for sure. It's mm-hmm. what you're talking about, yeah. especially in what you're planning to do um, in your hope to be soon clinic. That's exciting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, tie that back to psilocybin. So like someone with trauma, 
growing a mushroom experience, they can either, they could probably have profound benefit, even if they felt negative emotions during it. But then you have reports of people feeling extremely traumatized after. Like, so that's why that's something that also we need to address because we talk about all this great potential of them. Mm -hmm. And then what's funny is all of the people who are kind of trying to say, let's address the risks they kind of almost make the risks seem way more than they should be. So I think like we need to have a middle ground where we're kind of like mature about it. It's mm-hmm. a potent tool. So just like anything, right, that is a powerful tool, it could potentially cause harm. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to not use it because someone, you know, it could be used in a way that can hurt something. Right. It's mostly fine. On um, Actually, what's interesting with all of these drugs, um, I'm not sure about MDMA level, but the dosage you're giving people, it's it's so safe, like ketamine, especially mm-hmm. the psychedelics too. It's interesting at very high doses, like LSD. I think they overdosed an elephant in the fifties. Oh researching it. And it was so sad to think like what its experience would be before, yeah. but they have to give it such a large amount that it's like inconceivable. And then like the idea that it could be like other stuff in it, like, you know, so as far as we know, nothing, no one or no thing is overdosed on those people have deaths related to it because they're in a set and setting or something something's triggered in them that they do stupid things right Mm -hmm. but then for example like we're familiar with like alcohol if you're responsible adult it's probably fine sometimes people get drunk and say something they regret (laughs) but you hear stories of people like drunk driving twice a month but now like should we take alcohol away from all adults Mm -hmm. because something's stupid so that's kind of how it was with psychedelics especially with the fear stuff in the beginning Mm -hmm. because it's something where someone does something stupid something we're unfamiliar with and scared of but it's really um like just with a regular like amount of like mushrooms or lsd that someone would have if anything just makes you more connected with things um if you're not able to process or handle negative emotions that come up that's for people's weird behavior comes out and that's really all it is and if they would just you know have more awareness going into it like it would mitigate for a lot of that stuff too yeah absolutely and i think to even take it a step further if you combine if you even want to make it personalized more you want to see where the imbalances between the neurotransmitters and the hormones you could test advanced testing away from even more than what conventional medicine is right you can actually test like the advanced panels that we talk about and you could balance it that way like if you're inhibitory or excitatory chemicals, keep it simple, or neurotransmitters or myelins, whatever it is, they're off. You could even see yourself and track it as you're going through all the modalities of possibly the ketamine and so forth. And you could see how it correlates with your behavior and how you feel in everyday life, but also see scientifically what's happening to the biochemistry in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that so cool? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it's great. That, I you mentioned like, so oh, there is, I feel like an idea that it's always going to be like this versus that, because that's mm-hmm. how we research stuff. But really in reality, like it's um, mixing everything together, right? right. So with um, like, what one thing I forgot to mention too, with ketamine, what makes it different from the tryptamine psychedelics, right? Tryptamine is working with serotonin. So ketamine, a lot of norepinephrine, I forget what other receptors, like MDMA, mm-hmm. but it's not um, not really affecting serotonin. So people can stay on their SSRIs, right? But if you're going to... Or wean it off, right? Yeah, like, exactly. see if you don't want to be on that forever, right? Exactly. <laughs> so the idea being that you're going to wean off the SSRI, right? Yeah. But they can stay off of it and then try this and see if it works. 
works, where's the risk with the psych with the other ones? Let's say psilocybin. It's not necessarily always pleasant. You're going to have negative things come up. Now you have to stop your SSRI for 30 days before you do it. And now, are you, you know, what mindset are you going to be in now? And so with ketamine, you can do it together. And then the goal being to wean off. And yeah. get off so much potential. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, as we wrap up, let's just talk about, you know, so Dr. Eddie and I have actually known each other for a while. It's, um, it's amazing because we trained almost at the same place. Um, mm-hmm. I was a little bit older, so mm-hmm. I get to see we're both grown-up doctors now. It's amazing. Um, but you have created your your own path too, right? So tell us how you keep up with your osteopathic roots and how you're planning to grow your practice and um, where you want to go. Oh, yeah. So I have a practice in osteopathic manipulative medicine. So that's a form of manual medicine, all DOs, um, like Dr. Amin also have learned in school. I think we should also distinguish, right? Like um, some people don't know the difference between um, MDs and DOs. We take the same boards. uh, We have almost the same medical training, just a slight difference with we get maybe more anatomy, physiology. And within our curriculum, we already have the integrative medicine integrated into it so it's already part of our training whereas allopathic nothing wrong with it i love my colleagues um (laughs) but they have to get extra training to even get the integrative medicine Mm -hmm. um so i just wanted to clarify what that was but yes we're all doctors (laughs) exactly so yeah osteopathic medicine had its roots like um, in the 1800s, even and it was uh, at that point there wasn't really a lot of medication, so that's where this manual medicine um, came about. And the idea and application of it, really, which it correlates very well with the mental aspect of the psychedelic stuff, it's healing from within, right? Like we have this idea with manual medicine and chiropractors, like we're gonna push it back into the position it should be, right? With osteopathy. A lot of it has to do with moving things in a way to find health, right? So the whole body and system is moving already, trying to unwind. You can stack it in a way where it kind of floats and it unwinds itself. And that's where you kind of get better releases of tissues. So that approach um, is what makes the manual medicine osteopathic much more approachable. And that general philosophy of self-healing resonates into like all the other ways Tio's practice, right? So the always remembering that we are facilitating a system that's really remarkable. Like it's amazing. And that's like part of what these, like if you have, if you meditate or just do anything of like spiritual practice or psychedelic experiences, you kind of just have reverence for like how amazing your body is. Like it all works and it's Mm -hmm. so complicated and we don't fully understand it, but we know how to help it do what it's doing. So um, good application of manual medicine is facilitating that. Same with the psychedelic experiences, right? Your mind manifests it. Your mind creates it. So it's all um, everything that you're experiencing outside of that too. Your entire conscious experience, you realize, is the same. It was a different lens if you're on a certain substance. But then you come back, the way you see things, it's your perception, it's your lens. And you can change the way you look at things. And having that kind of power, um, that's what helps you connect to that inner wisdom that's trying to guide you, right? You can call it your higher self, God, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or your, you know, if you want to just be reductionist, like it's your conscience and subconscious part of your brain. It's not working. 
Mm-hmm. But your gut feeling, it's always connecting to you, or it's always communicating to you a key difficult point to, to make, though, is how do you know the difference between that versus, like, the programming of anxiety? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know, but the more you step out of the programming, right, meditate, separate, right, yeah. the more you can kind of tell the difference. Like, this is my brain, you know, being anxious or doing this versus this is an intuitive feeling. One way to tell the difference, an intuitive nudge, it doesn't feel intimidating or scary. And mm-hmm. it feels right. It doesn't feel like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm like anxious about it, because mm-hmm. that's probably Right. So using these tools, really, it's not that it's fixing you, right? Like one way I would put it, like psychedelics won't fix your problems. They'll show you how you have been creating them. Yeah, right. right. Clarity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so once you are okay, once you're ready to step on that, like self-improvement, because that's what healing comes. A lot of it is self-improvement, stuff you wouldn't realize, like fix my depression, whatever. You start doing the right things for your higher self, like healing your inner child right or doing things towards your vision or goal you start to feel better but it's like you forgot that and you're looking for a fix for your depression so that's how it can get to deeper roots of like helping you but it's you healing yourself and this is a tool you can use towards that absolutely yeah and i love that because you're integrating that into your roots of what you practice yeah absolutely yeah so what we're trying to do um with so my wife is a lcsw licensed clinical social worker she has a private practice in um, just therapy of counseling services i have my manipulative medicine practice so we were actually with another colleague as well going to start a new so we're um, mm-hmm. kind of keeping our own uh, separate practices but to start a new one which is starting out ketamine assisted psychotherapy mm-hmm. so that's the first one now that's you know around but um, we're legalized but mdma looks like it's um, the next one mm-hmm. on over the threshold which i'm very excited about for ptsd especially yeah. because it's implementing the therapy during the experience and um, that's always very interesting to hear the, the stories about absolutely you're gonna help kill <laughs> a bunch of people out here in dfw i love that yeah thank you so um, much no, and i can't <laughs> wait hopefully we can work together and optimize everyone too yeah bring them together on that well thank you so much for such an enlightening conversation so great to hear your thoughts and see where you're going and for everyone if you want to find out more about dr eddie or work with him or just learn more um Details will be in the link below. So I hope you all learned something and are inspired and have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you, Dr. Eddie. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, share with your friends and family, and of course, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support.